Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. ITG 118. I'm Skylar Callahan. That's Jed Drenning, the signal caller. It is Phil Friday, and uh, we're going to be talking with Phil here in just a few minutes, talking some Big 12, Top 25, and of course, those Mountaineers taking on the Sooners. But first, we're going to recap our picks from last week. Um, I feel like I did a little bit better, Jed. I, I didn't keep track this week like I kind of usually do, but maybe maybe you've got some good news for me. So uh, we'll get into that here in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, be sure to get your bets in at betonline.com. So, Jed, take it away. Well, it just goes to show you the, the nature in which this game changed last week with Keaton Slovis uh, not playing. Uh, he was there in street clothes. I saw him That's on the field right. before the game, but we had a Keaton Slovis question that you edited out because it was going to be a waste of everybody's time. So we, we're not going to talk about the Keaton Slovis question. We had a passing yardage question there we didn't go to. Let's jump right to the question about targets. Uh, this was a game that included the two most targeted defenders in the Big 12. Uh, the most targeted defender in the entire nation was BYU's Jacob Robinson uh, with 69 targets coming in. Beanie's number two in the Big 12 coming in uh, with 55. So we asked simply, who will be targeted more? Both of us said Beanie. And as it turned out, Beanie was targeted more. He was targeted seven times. Jacob Robinson was targeted four he wasn't even BYU's most targeted defender. Uh, but again, the thing with Beanie, he plays the short side. They're going to throw out the short side corner a lot, irrespective of who that is or isn't. So this isn't you know, an indictment on, on Beanie. And Beanie is producing. We've talked in multiple episodes recently. He has a shot at breaking the school pass breakups record owned by Brian King. Uh, he leads the nation by a wide margin in both pass breakups and passes defended. So Beanie's showing out, man. He's among the national leaders in picks with four. So everybody's saying, well, he needs to stop dropping those picks. Well, I'll tell you this. If if he finds a way to intercept one or two more passes, he's going to be in some All-American conversations because, unfortunately, that's what drives the whole thing. When you have those conversations, interceptions are the only thing that blows people's skirt up. So uh, everything else, he's doing well. But if he, if he can do that to wrap up the regular season, boy, he's going to be on a lot of postseason teams, getting a lot of postseason awards based on his production. Yeah, and especially in big games too, right? Because, I mean, West Virginia's got a huge one this week. If he somehow comes down with one against Dylan Gabriel, who many people had as a Heisman favorite all year, whoo, I mean, talk about a portal hit. I mean, there's been some hits, there's been some misses. Neil's talked about it, but Beanie has been an absolute grand slam. Sure has, and he's been a great locker room kid too. And uh, so let's go to last week's second question, since we only had two. Uh, BYU rushing. We knew that coming in, they were a football team that struggled to run the football. They were last in the Big 12, averaging 81 yards a game. We pointed out that West Virginia – had held five of eight opponents this season below their season rush average, including three out of five Big 12 opponents. The question quite simply was, will BYU, or excuse me, will West Virginia hold BYU below their season average of 81.3 yards rushing per game? Uh, you said no, BYU would get over 
I said, yes, BYU would get under. Uh, now, remember what I said, Skyler, the reason I pointed this out, the reason I took the under, I said, as bad as they are running the football, they're even worse on the road. And yeah. I even gave it a number. Uh, this is just a strange coincidence. I said, on the road, they're only averaging 68 yards a game. Well, yeah. right on script, right on cue against West Virginia, 67 yards. So West Virginia held them under. So I got that one. You missed that one. Oh, uh, I but I'll tell you what, West Virginia now, six out of nine opponents, we've held below their season rushing average. So kudos to Jordan Leslie and that West Virginia defense. So that is how the picks went last week. And, of course, we'll get into some uh, Oklahoma picks after the visit with Phil to end the show. Yeah, that was just a dominant, complete performance from WVU all the way around. And I know we'll get to the Oklahoma stuff, but that's going to be a tough challenge to hold Oklahoma under their season average. I think they're at like 172 or 177. And it's it may be middle of the pack in the conference, but when you're rushing for 100 or throwing for over 300 yards a game, that 170 starts to feel like well over 200 because they're able to do whatever the hell they want. So that'll be interesting to see what uh, handicaps you got coming up for us here at the end. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk with the man himself, Phil Steele. So we'll be back right after this message from Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less than grass. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guaranteed to, to save you thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. And we are back with the one and only Phil Steele here to talk some Big 12, Top 25, and West Virginia, Oklahoma. And Phil, this is going to be a big one this week between the Mountaineers and Sooners, but we've got a lot to get to before that. But first, I want to let you have the floor to uh, plug anything that you want that you've got going on this weekend. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, the big thing and, and the easy thing for uh, anybody watching right now is uh, take the Phil Steele Plus Tour. It's up and available right now. The tour's gone 16 and 7 over the last five weeks on its selections. Quick hitters have gone 12 and 6, and you also get some FCS plays as well. You get 11 or 12 free plays. They're all up right now free. Just go to philsteel.com. Check out right at the front of the philsteel.com. Click on the Phil Steele uh, um, Plus Tour. Or you can go to YouTube. There's a special YouTube channel for it. It's Take the Phil Steele Plus Tour. It's absolutely free. Give yourself a bunch of free selections. Awesome, Phil. So we'll go ahead and get kicked. We'll kick things off here with uh, some top 25 action in the Big Ten. Number three, Michigan. The Scandalers, or whatever you want to call them. The Sign Steelers. Mm -hmm. Heading to Happy Valley to take on number 10, Penn State. I really don't know what to expect of this game or, or what to think about what will happen because of the, the stuff that's going on at Michigan. Where is their headspace? Um, do they use it as fuel and motivation? What do you think happens in this one here, Phil? Yeah, I think uh, the way Harbaugh runs that, uh, it's, it's, they're pretty much going to keep everybody in a bunker and uh, just go ahead and play their normal game. And if that's the case, which I think it will be, 
Uh, it's going to be much like my forecast was for the Penn State-Ohio State game. I think this game is an under game. It's a, going to be a tight defensive struggle. You're looking at a Penn State defense that can get after the quarterback. They got 38 sacks this year. Uh, that's 15% of the time the opponent drops back. They get a sack. That's a really high number. Uh, among the nation's leaders in TFLs, they're holding opponents to 102 yards per game below their season average. And Michigan's run game hasn't been quite the same as it was in past years. Now, Harbaugh has been uh, having the workload on Corm and Edwards lessened. They want to keep them fresh for the end of the year. Maybe they re- uh, unleash them here, but I still think Penn State's defense does a good job. Now, on the flip side of the coin, we saw Penn State, I think their first third down conversion against Ohio State came on the last one of the game. Uh, they went one for 16 on third down conversion, struggled to move the ball. Michigan's got a really good defense, holding the points 105 yards per game below their season average. Total is about 45 and a half. I think it'll be a lower scoring game, and uh, I like the under in this one. So I think it will be a really good game. Give Penn State a shot at the upset, but I do think Michigan's a better team. There's a lot of things that since we've had you on this year, you've taught us a lot of areas that you shed a light on and had us focusing on, whether it's the offensive line at Alabama or one of the other ones I would point to, Utah being such a fundamentally different football team on the road than they are in Salt Lake City. Well, this week we have a ranked Utah team heading to Washington, and it it just feels like another survive and advance type game for Washington. What do you see playing out here? Yeah, and this is one of those where, as, as you said, I mean, you look at Utah on the road, they're pretty much a 500 team, and Rice-Eccles Stadium, they're almost unbeatable. Uh, the key to this game is going to be that Utah run a game. If, if, if they can keep Washington off the field, and, and Washington's defense, by the way, is susceptible. Uh, you look at them at conference play, they're giving up 4.7 yards per carry. They're giving up 65% completions. They do not have an elite defense. They're They're actually allowing opponents five yards above their season average. Utah does have an elite defense. I think they'll be able to slow Washington down. The key is going to be, can Utah move the football? If this thing enters the third quarter and it's close, I think Utah's got a shot at the upset. But if Washington gets ahead by a score or two, this thing could look like the Oregon game when Oregon plastered Utah 35-6, to and that game was in uh, Utah. So it's, uh, it's a tough one for me to call. I could see it going uh, either way in this one. I haven't been blown away with Washington overall. I I think the best team in the Pac-12 right now is Oregon. Uh, Oregon is a team that uh, outgained Washington 541 to 415, if not for three failed fourth down conversions. They win in Husky Stadium. And right now up on philsteel.com, I actually have my Vegas power ratings. If Oregon played Washington this week at a neutral site, Oregon would be a six-point favorite. So Vegas feels the same way. Oregon's probably the best team in the Pac-12. And and this game to me is a a real toss-up. Phil, a top 15 matchup in the SEC between Tennessee and Missouri. And I would almost say it's kind of an underrated game, which sounds weird to say for two top 15 teams. But with these guys both out of the mix, certainly in the SEC East, no one's really paying attention to this game. But this is a big one for both of these teams. Mizzou played Georgia tough down to the wire last week. How do they respond? Do you think they get back in the win column here against Tennessee? Yeah, and uh, Missouri's a little banged up. Luther Burden, uh, questionable for the game. Brady Cook got banged up, but he'll be fine for this one. Uh, The thing I like about uh, Tennessee coming in this one is their freshness level. You go back to, uh, you know, the game against Alabama, I thought they played a great game. They had a 20-7 first down edge on the road in the first half, 275-133 to yard edge, and then came up short at the end. 
And then the very next week, they traveled to face Kentucky. Kentucky was fresh off a bye. It's a tremendous situation for Kentucky. And yet, Tennessee led by two scores in the fourth quarter and won the game by six. This game, they're off of Connecticut. They got rested up. They pulled uh, Joe Milton at the half last week, along with most of the starters. So they're fresh. They're ready. Missouri just went to the wire against Georgia. Played a better game than I expected. I liked Georgia last week. They did not cover that game. Uh, Georgia only won the game by nine. Missouri covered. So hats off to Missouri for getting that one. But I think coming off that game and now back at home, they're, they they got to be a little disappointed. They were they had the SEC East within their grasp, and now it's gone. And frankly, I feel Tennessee's a better team. So I think you got the better team on the road. I'm going to take the Volunteers to come out of here with the win. Well, let's go to the ACC. Uh, we want to take a look at Miami at Florida State. This is not the season that Miami envisioned, obviously, after that 4-0 start. It's almost like the ghost of that lack of taking a knee against Georgia Tech and that crazy finish is still biting them. Uh, last week, Tyler Van Dyke struggled mightily. Uh, our guy, Tony Gibson, had him seeing ghosts at North Carolina State and that Miami loss. Meanwhile, Florida State is firing on all cylinders. So what do you see shaking out here at Doe Campbell? You know, I actually, uh, I generally, you know, now we're getting into uh, rivalry time here, and I like mm-hmm. to go with rivalry underdogs. You figure they get fired up for it. And what we say, what the, what's the saying that most people have for rivalries? You could throw the books out. Well, in this one, you know, when I look at Miami, now Tyler Van Dyke is the key. If Tyler Van Dyke can return to being Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, the last two weeks since he's returned from injury, he's got zero touchdowns and five interceptions. That's not good, but – Look at the North Carolina State game. They had a 292 to 231 yard edge, 19 to 12 first down edge. It's a game they could have won had it not been for the the, uh, the turnovers. And uh, Miami, as you mentioned, you know, you go back to the Georgia Tech game. I think that cost them the North Carolina game the next week, a game they led at the half, by the way. But once again, uh, we're down in the turnover count against North Carolina. They were minus four in turnovers there. So I think it's a dangerous Miami team. Their offensive line, I'm a, uh, I'm on the Joe Moore Award. It, yeah, of all the awards I'm on, guys, the one I'm probably most proud of is the Joe Moore Award because this is just a bunch of ex-offensive linemen or ex-offensive line coaches. I'm the only guy that's not an ex-offensive lineman or ex-offensive <laughs> line coach that's on the award. So I, I'm very honored by that. And uh, I can tell you Miami's up there, actually. So is Florida State for the, the Joe Moore. So you've got two really good offensive lines. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, if he can cut down on the interceptions. I think when you look at when I talk to Mario Cristobal, he's a guy that doesn't take things lightly. And last year's loss to Florida State, 45 to three. You think that doesn't bother him the entire offseason? So I think we're going to see Miami play well. This is a series where uh, the underdog's done extremely well in this series, uh, going uh, 18 and seven against the spread, 12 outright upsets. And the home team is just four and thirteen. So I think Miami keeps this one closer than expected. I think we're gonna have a really good game here. I like the underdog in this one. Speaking of those Georgia Bulldogs, they got a big one this week against number nine Ole Miss. Let's go down in between the hedges here, Phil. I mean, Ole Miss, they've got a high powered offense, but I don't know if they've got the defense to to be able to keep them in this game. I mean, does Ole Miss really have a fighter's chance in this game? Yeah, I mean, if Missouri could play Georgia close last week, I think Mississippi's a better team than Missouri, so they've got that opportunity. Uh, And, you know, as far as their defense goes, they are actually holding opponents 18 yards per game below their season average this year. They have taken on some pretty good offenses uh, uh, during the course of the year. Now, the one thing I look at in this game is probably how teams do against ranked teams. And when you 
look at Georgia this year. They've got a really good record. Uh, they're about 67% against ranked teams. When you look at Ole Miss, when they play a ranked team, they're about 33%. So it's a game where Georgia has got that big advantage. But, you know, you go back to that Mississippi at Alabama game. Mississippi led it half, seven to six. Wasn't completely outplayed by Alabama. Came up short on the scoreboard, lost by 14. So they played pretty good there. And they played a really good Texas A&M team last week. And after blowing a lead, came back and actually got the win at the end. So uh, I'll be honest with you, Georgia disappointed me last week against Missouri. I don't know if I want to fire on Georgia again this week. Uh, It's going to be a game that I'm just going to sit back and watch. I think Vegas has got the number right at about 11, 11 and a half. Let's say this, Phil. We're gonna we're gonna jump into the Big Twelve, but before we do, <clears throat> you mentioned Miami, Florida State being closer than people feel, and I that has that same vibe. You kind of called the Clemson win last week over Notre Dame. We asked you why is that line so close, and you made a case for Clemson. Lo and behold, here's the upset. So uh, stay on high alert in Tallahassee when those hurricanes are coming to town. If you're listening, uh, let's go to the Big Twelve. You have Texas Tech, Joey McGuire squad. They kind of won a game in Lubbock between two desperate teams last week. Uh, they knocked off TCU. They're standing at four wins after such an offseason of feeling like they were anointed. Now they're heading to Lawrence to take on a Kansas team that's on the verge of have having an incredibly special season. What do you see playing out here? Where's, is this game at home or on the road for Texas Tech, guys? There you go. That's the answer, right? <laughs> yeah, when when Texas Tech goes on the road, they're a completely different team. You go back to the Wyoming game where uh, we picked Wyoming to beat them, uh, West Virginia where we picked West Virginia to beat them. I was surprised they beat Baylor on the road, but then uh, we picked them to BYU to beat them on the road, and now this game's at Kansas. And I have to be 100% honest with you, I had Iowa State over Kansas last week. Uh, this Kansas team has impressed me the last two weeks. I love the way their offensive line's playing. Their offensive line is a fringe candidate for the Joe Moore Award at this point. Love the way that Jason Bean's playing. And I just Lance Leipold, talking to him all the way back to his days at Buffalo, this guy just gets it done. And the teams are so fundamentally strong. Uh, they did get that interception return in the second quarter, which I thought was huge in the Iowa State game. But this team's just playing great. Frankly, I'm surprised the number's so low. It's like two and a half, three and three, three and a half in this one. Uh, it's a pretty cheap price, especially when Texas Tech, you play on them at home, you play against them on the road, and Kansas has been just great at home. They beat Oklahoma, they wiped out UCF, they wiped out BYU, they wiped out Illinois. I definitely like Kansas minus the points over Texas Tech in this one. Speaking of home and away splits, Baylor is, woof, they are bad at home. So maybe it's a, it's a cool. good thing that they're going on the, on the road, but it's also a bad thing that they've got Kansas State this week who's coming off a very – Close loss to Texas in overtime. So I guess the better question here is, Phil, is the line a surprise to you being at 20 and a half? I mean, I get Baylor's had a lot of struggles this year, but I mean, this is a, a Dave Aranda coach team that that you feel like should be able to compete. I mean, can they can they hang in with Kansas State? Yeah, and you talk about a surprising year, guys. I mean, when you look at the schedule at the start of the year for Baylor, you said, okay, uh, this team actually has – uh, six home games uh, or seven home games in their first nine games of the year. So they're going to get off to a great start. They're dynamite at home. And then as you touched on in FBS home games this year, they are 0 and 6. Shocking. What are they on the road this year? They're 2 and 0. They beat yeah. UCF and they beat Cincinnati. Granted, they needed a miracle comeback against UCF, but they have been playing better on the road. So with Baylor, 
I got to be honest, I, I, they haven't had a good pulse on Baylor because I thought they'd win more of their home games than what they have. But I have had a pretty good pulse on Kansas State. And the one thing they've done is covered their last seven home games. And the last two home games, they beat Houston 41 to nothing, and they beat a really good TCU team 41 to three. They used Will Howard more. They were alternating Howard and Johnson last week. It was basically Will Howard, but they still have Avery Johnson back there. They've got Giddens and Ward at running back. They've got a defense holding opponents to 62 yards per game below their season average. And I thought last week would have been one of those circle the wagon games for Baylor, but they came up short against Houston, the team they really should have beat at home. Granted, they had their opportunities, lost the game in overtime, uh, had plenty of opportunities to win the game, but did not. So I think the line is uh, reflective of where these two teams are right now, and it'd be tough to go against Kansas State at home. So I like the Wildcats at home, and I'm laying the points in that one. Speaking of lines that you have to explain to us, uh, here you go. you got Oklahoma State, the 15th-ranked team in the country, going on the road with Ollie Gordon against a UCF team. Now, granted, UCF coming off their first Big 12 win against Cincinnati last week. But UCF dead last in the Big 12 against the run, facing Ollie Gordon. I think maybe the secret here is Oklahoma State, and a lot of folks don't know this, have the last place defense in the Big 12 in total defense. So two and a half points the last I saw this line with the Cowboys heading to the bounce house. What do you see happening here? Yeah, and like you, I, I think the spread's uh, a little off in this game. I, I do like Oklahoma State. You guys know Oklahoma State's been my gravy train. I've been riding these guys since the uh, the Kansas State game, and they've been delivering each and every week. And uh, I, I, the, the concern would be, as you mentioned, the defense. I mean, they've given up 477 yards per game the last four weeks. UCF will be able to move the football, but the key matchup is exactly what you hit on. I have to applaud you on that. Ollie Gordon against a, a UCF rush defense that's given up 5.7 yards per carry in Big 12 play. That's almost six yards a carry. And you know Ollie Gordon, who was banged up last week. What did he come out of the game? Like four, five, six times last week. And you're like, uh-oh, he might not come back in. He kept coming back in. I think he'll be healthier this week. And, and the key with Oklahoma State was that switch to one quarterback as opposed to three. I'm not jumping off this gravy train. I'm taking Oklahoma State. And, and to me, the spread is cheap this week, guys. A big one in the American, just kidding, in the Big 12. Cincinnati and Houston here. Uh, the, the Bearcats still searching for that first Big 12 win. Meanwhile, Houston, if they win two of their last three, they're going bowling. There's still a lot to play for for Cincinnati. Again, even if it's a two and seven season, it's a disappointing year. They want to get that monkey off their back. But this seems a little bit of an uphill battle on the road. Maybe I'm wrong. Phil, where does Cincinnati stand coming into this one and their chances? Well, you know, statistically, Cincinnati's a pretty good team. I mean, they're actually outgaining their foes by four yards per game in Big 12 play, which is a, a pretty Insane. surprising number. Uh, you go back and you take a look at, uh, you know, their half times. The half times have all been good. The UCF game was a close at half. The Oklahoma State game was close at half. BYU close at half. Oklahoma, every game was close at half. Then the second half, they seem to melt down a little bit. And Emory Jones, while he has a 14-10 ratio this year, Keep in mind his five touchdown passes against Eastern Kentucky. So against FBS competition, he's got nine touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And that's the key. If you can take away Cincinnati's run game, you're in good shape. Uh, Houston has an, an adequate run defense. In fact, the last four weeks are only allowing 3.9 yards per carry. Their question mark is pass defense, giving up 72%. But I don't think Cincy threatens them that much here. 
Uh, but in Big 12 play, Houston's actually minus 89 yards per game. So you can make an argument Cincinnati's a better team. That's why the number's three here. Uh, I actually have it at three. I've, I've got Houston uh, winning the game because they're at home by three. But I'd have a tough time putting my money on Houston minus the points. And same thing, I'd have a tough time putting my money on Cincinnati, who just continues to come up short at the end of the game. Oh, you got the Longhorns, the seventh-ranked team in the country, as a double-digit favorite heading to Amon G. Carter to take on TCU. Now, TCU's banged up. They're going to have Josh Uber at quarterback again. Can a case be made for a TCU team? They're at four wins. they got to win two of their final three. They still got Texas, and they got Oklahoma to get bowl eligible after that great season last year. Texas has struggled defensively in pass defense through the air against Baylor, against Houston, against Kansas State. All of them went over 300 yards through the air. Can you make a case for TCU against a Texas team that's really struggled behind center, center uh, protecting the football, Quinn Ewers out? Yeah, I, I could make a case because uh, just look at the series history here. Do you know in the last nine times these teams met, how many times has TCU won, guys? Oh, uh, Gary, Gary Patterson owns Texas. That's right, so, seven. Seven and seven. two. Wow. Yet, which is wow. shocking. I mean, you would you would not think TCU has beaten Texas seven of the last nine meetings, but they have. Uh, but Gary Patterson's not there anymore, so that's that's one that's right. thing you have to take a look at. Now, Sonny Dykes did win Game One last year, but uh, I, you guys probably remember that game. That thing at the at the half was three to nothing, <laughs> uh, and uh, Texas had seventy two yards and TCU had sixty eight. Uh, a first down was hard to come by in that game, so it was. I'm a defensive guy. I enjoyed the game. You know, I'm not a, a, one of those offensive people that has to have 40 points on the board to enjoy a game. So I did like the struggle last year, but I think Texas is a better team and, and TCU is just flat out struggling. I, I like TCU uh, with their chances against Texas Tech last week, and they came back in the second half and took the lead, but then all of a sudden they lost it by seven and the Kansas State game was not good. Josh Hoover is going to play decent, but I just like the way this Texas team looks. I like their offensive line. I like the running backs, the receivers. I like the defense. I like the special teams. Uh, Quinn Harris has been practicing a little bit this week. May return. Malik Murphy uh, has only, can only get better. So I'm going to lean with Texas uh, to come out of here with the win for sure. A pair of five and four teams here, one of which is still alive in the Big 12 race, and that's Iowa State heading to BYU, who has scored 13 points over their last two games. Obviously, the quarterback change there with Jay Kretzlov now taking control of the offense. How do you how do you see this one going, Phil? Yeah, and this is one of those games, guys, where if you look at the record, you say, okay, two, five, and four teams. BYU should be a three-point favorite, right, because they're at home. And they are a really good home team, by the way. And then you look at the line in Vegas, and Iowa State's a seven-point favorite. So you're <laughs> like, what's going on? Well, Vegas knows what they're doing because these two teams are not – they're not equal. Uh, Iowa State is a really good five and four team. Uh, their losses, they lost by seven points to Iowa, a three point loss to Ohio. And in both games, they had the yardage edge. They had the first down edge. Uh, the Oklahoma game was close in the second quarter. Then Oklahoma just turned it on and, and beat them. But the Kansas game is a game they, they could have won last week. So I like the way they run the football. Sanders and Norton are a nice running back combo. They got Rocco Beck, who's playing better each week at the quarterback spot. And they've got a really good defense. They're holding opponents to 68 yards per game below their season average. Over the last four weeks, they're holding opponents to 130 yards per game below their season average. I like this Iowa State team. BYU, 
this is what I call a smoke and mirrors team. I mean, the Kansas game or uh, earlier in the season, they beat uh, Arkansas. They were outgained by 143 yards. They beat Cincinnati. They were outgained by 203 yards. Uh, on the season, they're minus 166 yards per game in Big 12 play. And yet somehow they've, they've got five wins on the year. They cannot run the football. They've got 80 yards rushing, 2.9. As you mentioned, Rutz left taking over a QB. Uh, he was adequate last week, nothing great. Their defense is allowing opponents 41 yards above the season average the last four weeks. They're a team that's done it with smoke and mirrors. Now, you could talk about the altitude. You could talk about the crowd, and it's great at BYU. But I like the way Iowa State went into Cincinnati and won by 20. They went into Baylor and won by 12. I like Iowa State minus the touchdown in this one. I think they are the much better 5-4 and four team. All right, we're going to jump into the matchup on the Prairie, Phil. Uh, we had mentioned to you we have a fella in Australia named Jake Botel, who was the winner of our pick four contest, the first cat to actually go four for four. How impressive do you think that is to go four for four in these picks that we have each week, Phil? That, it's very impressive. First one, I believe you guys call them the uh, the Neil Armstrong here, the like the first guy that landed on the moon. Uh, so congratulations to Jake Botel. And Jake, thank you for listening all the way from Australia, for crying out loud. I love it. A football fan in Australia. I like being worldwide. But going four for four on those picks last week, Jake, that was phenomenal. And uh, you definitely have, have earned your uh, the first winner here of the uh, – are you guys officially calling it the Neil Armstrong Award? It's kind of or, yeah, we yeah. kind of are. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So, so the first winner of the Neil Neil Armstrong Award. You know, maybe next year when we do this podcast, guys, I'll let my computer enter it. We can have my yeah. computer picks <laughs> for the top one each week, <laughs> and see, see if my computer can pick out the winner each week. Your computer is invited. That's an open invitation, no <laughs> doubt about it. So, what we've got? I mentioned it to him today. And, and, and I'll, I'll make sure to I'll make sure to get with Phil to see what his computer says before I put my pick in. Just just yeah, we don't have, we don't have a no droids allowed rule here. Your computer is welcome. So let's look at this matchup in Oklahoma. Uh, on the surface, some people are saying it's as simple as one team's trending up in West Virginia, another team appears to be trending down. But Vegas doesn't think so. The line is standing strong at thirteen. Uh, it'll be our last trip to the Prairie for quite some time, uh, maybe forever, but in today's college football, I don't like to say forever. Two years ago, Phil, when we went out there, we thought we were in position to win that football game, despite the fact we only ran for 68 yards. We held the ball for 33 minutes. Similar plan last year. Time of possession to Morgantown in the win, 37 minutes. So what what do you see shaking out? What I'm seeing here. I do think West Virginia is a fundamentally better football team than the one that went to Norman two years ago. I'm not so sure Oklahoma is quite as talented or quite as good, as good as they are, as that 21 team that won 11 games under Lincoln Riley. What do you see playing out here? Well, uh, as you guys know, I've been uh, picking West Virginia most weeks. Uh, had them against Pitt, mm -hmm. had them against Texas Tech, had them against TCU, had them against Houston, and that Hail Mary was a little bit of a bummer. Uh, I had Oklahoma State plus the points against them, but you had them against UCF, had them against BYU. Uh, unfortunately, guys, this week I do like Oklahoma. I think when you look at the Sooners, they're coming off two losses. They haven't looked good the last two weeks. We're going to get their absolute A game. They need to pull it together. Uh, you look at how they finish. They've got BYU and TCU. Those are two games they should be able to win. Love the way West Virginia plays. And if West Virginia, much like Utah, can keep this one close. If they can establish that run game, which Oklahoma's going to sell out to stop, 
Uh, and uh, by the way, I'm I'm uh, on the Joe Moore Award. I'm pushing for West Virginia to be included on this finalist list. We'll see if we can't get them there because uh, Coach Neil Brown told me about the offensive line in the spring, and uh, they have lived up to that potential. But uh, I do, I'm not wild about the uh, the pass game, and also I think the defense is, while playing good, beatable. I mean, 433 against TCU, 491 against Oklahoma State, 463 against UCF. And this is an Oklahoma team off two losses, playing with legitimate revenge at home. Uh, I've actually got the Sooners win this one by a couple of touchdowns. So, uh, you know, I, I did a Louisiana show last week, and uh, a lot of weeks I pick LSU, and last week at the end I'm like, you know, I'm picking Alabama, sorry. And unfortunately uh, for them, uh, Alabama won. But, uh, yeah, I'm jumping off the West Virginia bandwagon for one week, guys. I'm taking Oklahoma. That's okay. I, I, I feel like you'll be back on the next two weeks, potentially, with yeah. Cincinnati and Baylor coming <laughs> back. So, uh, Phil, uh, last thing before we get out of here, I did want to ask you kind of your thoughts on the Oklahoma kind of tailspin the last two weeks. You kind of wonder where their psyche is because you, you think you're in the college football playoff race. Dylan Gabriel's kind of one of those guys that was being talked about for the Heisman. You lose two straight games. And it's, it, you might start to play a little tight and, and feel like the pressure is on you. Do you feel like that could be something that plays in the, a factor in this game? You know, I think if it was a team like uh, Georgia or Alabama, but this is an Oklahoma team that last year uh, actually finished with a losing season after they lost the bowl yeah. game. They were six and seven. So, you know, while they were up there in the talk for making the playoff this year, I don't know if coming into the season, the thought process was, hey, playoff or bust you know what i mean because you're coming right. off a six and seven season so i don't know if the uh, the two losses will have that balloon the bubble burst effect on oklahoma i think oklahoma's right now thinking okay we we're six and seven last year uh we've opened up seven and two if we finish off ten and two we had a really good year and next year you know we'll see what happens so i, I don't see the bubble burst happening for them this week so it'll be a good one. West Virginia and Oklahoma, essentially an elimination game in the Big 12 title race. Phil, as always, man, we appreciate your time and uh, getting all the knowledge that we can soak up before the weekend. Hey, a lot of fun talking football with you guys each and every week. And, uh, man, only three weeks left of the football season. How fast wow. did this thing fly by? It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Fast. It feels like we were just previewing the Penn State game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely so phil we appreciate it we'll talk to you next uh next week and uh, we'll be back right here after this word from fortis for roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed be sure to visit fortis.us.com for nearly 20 years fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit Fortis.us.com. 
Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. All right, so it is our final segment of the show and of the week. It is our ITG handicap picking seg- segment. So, uh, Jeb, what do you got in store for us this week for West Virginia OU? Let's jump right into it. Uh, three things we're going to look at. We're going to make a pick. One and two, you understand, is that I, I'm going to say they're loosely connected, but here we go. Number one, third downs. The question is this. When you look at third down conversions, West Virginia's trips to the prairie. In 2021, uh, I'm just going to go back through the years, 21, 19, 17, 15, 13. We were 4 of 14, 5 of 18, 6 of 13, 8 of 23 of 13. All told, we're 33% in the games we played as Big 12 Conference members on the Prairie. West Virginia on the season offensively, 42%, number six in the Big 12. Oklahoma defensively, 29%, number three in the Big 12. Now, last year, West Virginia's defense, one of the critical points in that game, held Oklahoma to one for 11 on third down. Meanwhile, West Virginia was seven of 19. So, a lot of numbers flying around here. I'm going to leave you with two more and then ask the question. On the road, West Virginia has the number two third down defense in the Big 12, 46%. At home, Oklahoma has the number two Big Big 12 third down defense. So there's your matchup. So the question, quite simply, with that information, who will convert a higher percentage of third downs west virginia or oklahoma i'm gonna go oklahoma and the only reason i'm gonna say that is because like i've kind of mentioned a couple times this week i think neil is gonna throw the kitchen sink at oklahoma and understand that he's gonna get into some four down territories multiple times throughout this game so they're gonna call some things that they're trying to get to maybe a fourth and short if if they can't convert on third down so I think Oklahoma's got a better chance to convert on third. So, yeah, I, I'll go Oklahoma with West Virginia playing four down a lot of the game. Uh, I, I am for the same reason, which leads us to question number two. In the last two games against Oklahoma, West Virginia is six for seven on fourth down, including last year in Morgantown, West Virginia was four for five. Wow. That's part of the reason we held the ball for 37 minutes. Yeah. So – Question number two, quite simply, West Virginia's fourth downs against Oklahoma over under two and a half. Conversions, you say? Or attempts. Attempts over over two and a half for sure. I, I think I think three, maybe even four. Um, they, that's if they get to that many fourth downs. But I, I think that they they know that that's how you steal possessions in these types of games. If you get a, another pick or a fumble, you're just just soaking time away from Oklahoma. So I think they're definitely going to go over. Yeah, last year was we we attempted five in Morgantown. We were four for five. I'm going with the over as well uh, on that one. So question number three, let's stray from the transition downs and go here. Uh, Oklahoma last year in Morgantown was up, but the quirky scored halftime of twelve to six. Two years ago, in the game that we felt we let slip away. On the prairie, West Virginia was up 10 to 7 in 2021. So the question number three is 
What will be happening at halftime Saturday night in Norman? Will WV be leading, Oklahoma be leading, or will it be tied? I'm going to go – whoa. I'm going to go Oklahoma lead, but not by much. Because I'm picking West Virginia this week. I've, I've said this whole week I have this really weird gut feeling about this game. I understand they're dang near two touchdown underdogs but I'm going with West Virginia to win this game. And so, yeah, I think Oklahoma comes out. Maybe it's like a 13-10 game at the half and West Virginia bounces back and finds a way to knock off the Sooners. West Virginia, the Scholar was a, a bigger underdog against TCU than yeah. they were against yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, so the question becomes, can you do that twice in one year? That's what the question really becomes. Yeah. We've done it before. But each time you do it, it gets harder to do it a second time. But uh, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to go with the with – the, let, let's straighten the pack here. I'm going to go C. I'm going to say it's tied at halftime. Ooh. I mean, I could see hopefully somewhat of a low-scoring game. Who knows? Yeah. These things sometimes surprise you. But uh, it might be 24-all. I, I, who knows? But uh, uh, I look for more of a low-scoring game in this one at, at, in the first half as these teams are feeling each other out. I'm going to go C. It's tied at halftime. And I think that would be advantage West Virginia. But yeah. And if you get that one right, you deserve to win the whole weekend because that's that's really, really hard. Like the odds on that are like plus ten thousand probably. So okay. we'll see we'll see what happens. West Virginia, Oklahoma, seven o'clock kickoff on Fox out in Norman. Again, essentially a big twelve elimination game. And uh, we'll have the recap slash preview uh, or look ahead with Big Daddy next week with the Cincinnati Bearcats coming to town for Senior Day next week. But you can catch all of our coverage on our YouTube channel at In The Gun. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Check out the game preview with Wes, Jed, and Owen, who chopped in a few minutes late, but had a, had, a, had his cartoon thrown up there for a few seconds, which you'll get a kick out of. So we appreciate you guys for, for tuning in for another week of game coverage here on In The Gun. And always... Be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WV football podcast. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.